Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. All right, I don't know about y'all, but you ever have one of those moments where, like, you second guess that you decided to become a parent? I never had any of those moments. Not once. This week was a crazy week, man. It was a crazy week. Had a little incident uh, with one of my children who, who, who got into a little argument with another child and, uh, and said something particularly terrible to them. I, I'm going to leave it at that. It was not meant to devastate. It, was not, um, it wasn't meant to like just destroy the child. But I think without thinking, like the weightiness of what this child of mine said to this other child was just devastating. I mean, it just broke the kid. So much so that I had to invite the conversation with the parent. I was like, you know, hey, can you send my number to them and maybe reach out? And ended up having a fantastic a fantastic uh, conversation and, and some good reconciliation. But, but I asked, you know, why did you say a particular thing? <clears throat> like, what was it that made that the thing that you wanted to say to this other kid? And they said, well, they hurt me so much that I wanted to hurt them. All right. Anybody ever heard this kind of thing in their life? You ever had that feeling? And so then I asked, I said, well, did it make you feel better? To which they responded, no, it made me sad. Vengeance. Vengeance is one of those things that just never quite works out. Do you guys remember that show, The Office? Do you remember the show, The Office? It's one of my favorite shows. It's a great show. I mean, there's so many folks. That I'm, and they're taking it off Netflix. Did you hear this? I know. <gasps> Terrible. So anyway... And then we got some time. Don't worry. It'll be all right. We'll survive. We'll start watching Friends or something like that. Anyway, so, so there's this situation where Michael, who's kind of like the, the, the head of the office, um, and I say kind of because if you watch the show, you know that he's really not at all. Um, he decides to start dating Pam's mom, all right? Now, now Pam is furious about this, and so much so that she decides um, through this whole process uh, that Michael has sort of let down her mom and just, uh, I mean, he's been like an awful guy to her, and she decides that she wants to hit him, all right? That's the thing. She's going she's gonna to slap Michael. That's just the way it's going to go. She's, gonna, she's like going to punch Michael. She ends up, I'll save you the time, she ends up doing it, and as she's walking away, you just see this like frustratedness in her character. And Jim, who's her husband, Jim says, did it make you feel better? And she responds, no, you're right. <laughs> Never makes life better. Vengeance never makes life better. It certainly only divides. It certainly only breaks apart. Now I want you to take just a second and uh, with some people around you, we're going to have a conversation for a second. For those of you guys that are brand new, uh, one of the things that you should know about Christ South is that I, I do full contact sermons. So that means that we, we actually talk to one another as a church. The whole point of this is not some consumer thing where you come in and it's just like a big show and then you can go home. But we want to hear voices around because I think that the gospel is not just coming from this place and going out. I think the gospel is sitting in the chairs going back and forth with one another. Amen. So we're going to hear the gospel today. We've got some questions for you. Anybody ever done you wrong? Did you ever want to take vengeance? And how did it make you feel? Just take a second. Anybody ever really done you wrong? And tell a little story amongst each other. As you wrap up. Do we have the handheld somewhere? Do we have a person? 
All right. Love to hear how your conversations went. Um, man, we had, we had some good ones in the back. I, I'll tell you in a minute, but kind of, I, mean, I think I changed my whole sermon now. I'm just playing. <laughs> All right, uh, raise your hand. Tell us a little bit, what'd you, what'd you hear in your, uh, in your conversations? What kind of bubbled up um, places where you felt this? Or did you want vengeance? How did it make you feel? Who's brave? Right up here, if you can catch them. <laughs> vengeance does not merit satisfaction or mm. peace. It, it, it um, just makes you feel bad mm. of yourself when you think about, what did I just do? Yeah. Hurts. Hurts. Thanks for sharing. Who else got one to share? Over here, over here. And back over here. This is a hand. Did you put a hand up or are you were scratching your head? You got to be careful scratching your head at this time. Hey. You know. <laughs> All right. Uh, you really, I'm glad you talked about vengeance. Um, just the morning routine with kids and uh, temptation is linked to vengeance where you are tempted to just hit your kid on the butt or yell or do something and you control yourself and coming here and feeling the grace of God and forgiveness and love and self-control and then communicating with this young lady here and she's going through the same things that we're going through and a lot of us go through it with kids and the passive aggressive where they don't they they know you're talking to them but they're taking their time and they're just taking their time and they're <laughs> taking their time and just it, it boils up and you really have to control yourself and you have to find that peace in God and uh, he's there to coach us so awesome. that's how I feel thanks Mark anybody else careful scratching your head you're gonna get called on it's like in class anybody um else? I'll share okay um, I think the, the biggest one for me, and I can't say this person's name or Christina might, might fuss at me, but um, my divorce mm -hmm. and being completely blindsided by it. And I wanted to, you know, call this person every name in the book that I could think of and some mm. more and go after this person's family and be like, well, you know, you might want to raise your child better than what they're doing and that kind of thing. But then I realized that I needed to, to love this person at a distance mm and then to love myself to get over the hurt and the anger that I had. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, guys. I want to read some, uh, read some scripture. Uh, yeah, we're clapping for the Lord's work in, in the lives around this place. That, that's what we're clapping for, and that's a really great thing to celebrate God's work in this place. I'm going to read you part of Exodus 32. Now, if you remember the story of Exodus, you remember that God's people have been enslaved for a long, long time. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. You've been reading this. If you're following on the time that we're reading the scriptures together, uh, you're kind of aware that we're right around this, this period of time. This is, this is a long sort of time into that Exodus experience, right? They have, they have been rescued from the hand of the Pharaoh, and we are now a number of chapters down the line in, in Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, all right, let me just pause right there and talk about that God would speak to Moses on the mountain, and the people would kind of wait, and then Moses would come down and he'd share the word of the Lord. This is the way it works. Everybody got it? Say got it. So they gathered around Aaron, who was his what? Excellent. We got some good stuff here. Also, Aaron answered the question about Aaron. Awesome. Aaron said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, I love the way he talks. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. 
He took what they had handed him and made him into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got to indulge in revelry. Everybody say, revelry. Mm. And the Lord said to Moses, go down. <laughs> because your, pe your people, who you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, Thanks be to God. I don't know. I read that one every once in a while. I'm just like, thanks be to God? <laughs> Man. See, it's interesting to me when I read this scripture, I kind of get stuck on how easily Aaron is influenced by the people, right? Moses has gone off on the mountain, and here is Aaron with the people trying to keep everything together. This is a massive, massive, massive group of people. And enough of them came to him and said, hey, we don't know about this fellow Moses anymore, but you're here. We can see you, and I know that you can handle the things that we need you to handle. We can't handle the things that we don't see, that we don't understand. This is going to resonate with you. So I'm going to preach a little bit this morning, thinking about the things that we can see, and how much easier they are to handle than the things that we can't see. Somebody say amen now. Come on. He's the brother of Moses. He's the leader. He's the one in charge. He's commanded by God, mind you. Think about this. But yet still, in the midst of this onslaught of people that come to him and say, hey, Moses, I don't know what happened to him. There's not a whole lot of arguing. Did you notice that? There wasn't a whole lot of Aaron saying, people. Now, I'm not saying that there wasn't. I'm just saying that it's not here in scripture. People, go back Get it together. Moses will be back in a second. Aaron just kind of just like, uh, yeah. All right, so why don't you get your gold, and we'll throw it in a thing, and we'll see what happens. And it says that he then fashioned it with a tool, basically, I guess, making it into that idol that they could put up. Here you go. Here's your idol. In his mind, maybe he's just thinking, <laughs> have you ever been, have you ever had, like, rules in your family about like how much screen time the kids can have or something like that. But then you go on a long trip and you realize that your rules were not made for this long trip. <laughs> Maybe he's just like, ah, oh, this will chill him out. This will make him stop yelling at me. Give me some time. Or maybe, maybe he's doubting a little bit himself. Maybe he's like, gosh, man, I do remember that whole time when like the Lord commanded me to do this, but maybe he like, Maybe it was like a really good night and it was really good wine or something. Like, maybe he's a little angry at Moses for taking his sweet time. I'm down here handling all this stuff, Moses. You're up there in your little hammock, hanging out with God, having your special time, enjoying the presence of the Lord, making your face shine bright like the sun. I'm down here dealing with the people. They don't know where to go to the bathroom anymore. We don't know where the food's going to come from. Half the people in here are yelling at the other half of people because their tent's in the way of the sunlight, and their sunlight's in the way of their tents. I don't know what that last part means, but I just figured that's probably what he was saying. 
Or maybe, maybe he wanted to lead all along. That's right. I tell you what, Moses, I mean, you're my stuttering brother that can't barely put a sentence together, and I'm out here handling all this stuff for you. As a matter of fact, why don't you just go ahead, spend your spiritual time with God, and I will take on. I will be Aaron, who will walk God's people the rest of the way, Moses, and you just go on, have your time with God. I was ready to lead all along. Either way, in any of those scenarios, it doesn't really matter, because what happens is that he still relents and is influenced by the people. He's weak, right? I mean, he's weak. But so are the people. I mean, somewhere in there, like all of these people that are there, there had to be like one person. Like everybody's just fine, right? They're going along with Moses. They got the problems. They got some issues. They go to Moses. They kind of moaning a little bit the whole way. But somewhere along the way, something changed so much that they said, hey, maybe that whole God thing that we saw and that we marveled at and that we were just blown away by, maybe it was all a trick. So somewhere this started, this sort of almost like a cancer. If we could only just find that one way, that one person, Aaron, if I could just find that one person, I could get them out, then everything would be fine. I wouldn't have to deal with any of this. Matter of fact, y'all got people in your life like that that just always got to start something? You know what I'm talking about? Like the people that on Facebook you have to unfollow because it just makes you mad? Say amen, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah always starting stuff. Can I just have one chill week? Can I just have one Facebook feed with the pictures of your children doing cool things and the pictures of you guys going on vacation having happy times? Why has it always got to be something? Why has somebody got to come to me with this, that, or this? Why I got to get this email talking about I didn't do the processes right, now I got to go back and redo the processes? Who even cares about the process anyway? It's just church, can't break it. <laughs> But as soon as we start to point, right, as soon as we start to point to that one part that starts to break everything apart, as soon as we start to point to that one person that's always driving me crazy, quit sending me emails, man, I don't need to hear it. As soon as we start to point, we remember that it's just as much us, too. See, God sees it. God knows the brokenness that we carry and the wrong that we do ultimately to God. Because we, too, sit there and sort of say the same things. God, I'm happy as long as I can see that you're doing things in my life. But as soon as you don't start showing me those things on a regular basis, well, I don't know. Maybe there's some other ways that I could handle this. Maybe I don't need you to be doing everything that you're probably doing. As a matter of fact, I could probably handle it on my own. And just as soon as we do that, as soon as we turn away from God, what happens? It all falls apart. Somebody say, man, that's what's going on in your life a little bit. You've heard that. Yeah. Now. What should God do? This is easy. God has already told us what God's going to do. God is going to set the people on fire or something horrible. He's going to smite them. They're super smiteable. (laughs) It's a word. Probably just to smite us all too. You know, we put all these other idols up. I mean, think about all the other things that become more important to us than our faith life in our lives. We kind of are a part of our faith lives a good chunk of the time when it's most convenient for us. I'm not trying to get you like shaking in your seats a little bit because I got to own that too. That my time with God sometimes gets supplanted by other things that I've got to do for my work or for my life or for my family. And all of a sudden I realize that I'm turning away from the most provident and loving God there is. And I too made an idol. And what's God say about the people that make idols? Maybe it's work. 
Maybe it's money, maybe it's success, maybe it's this project. That if I just get it done, if you could just leave me alone enough time, I'll get this thing done, God. I don't need you to take over my time. I just need to handle it all. And then we make the idol. But here's the thing, the story's not done. Y'all ready? Shake it off. Sermon's almost done, everybody. Here we go. Final stretch. Everybody good? Say good. All right, verse 11. <laughs> but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Now imagine, this is the Lord God of all creation that is fired up. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them. He said, why should your anger burn against your people? whom you brought up out of Egypt with a great power and a mighty hand. Do you remember what just happened a second ago? When God was talking to Moses this whole time, he said, I've heard the cries of my people. I will go get my people out of Pharaoh's land. We even saw Moses have Pharaoh's heart get hardened. So it wasn't Moses who was the one that brought him out. Who was it? It was God that brought him out. As a matter of fact, God only revealed just a little bit to Moses at a time, so much so that Moses had to keep going back to God to remember who was ultimately in charge because God was the one that said over and over and over again, that's my people who I will bring out. And just a second ago, he looked at Moses and said, that's your people now. That's your people that are doing all these things. I don't need to have anything to do with them anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm going to burn my anger against them. I'm going to start all over right with you, right now and then all of a sudden Moses reminds him why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out just to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth turn from your fierce anger relent and do not bring disaster to your people Moses knew something Moses knew something that vengeance didn't feel good. Think back on Moses' story. Do you remember what happened with Moses? He was the son of Jochebed. Everybody say, Jochebed. Oh, that was great, guys. <laughs> she put him in a basket, right? Floats down the river. How does he get found? He gets found by who? Pharaoh's daughter gets raised in the Pharaoh's house, right? Everything's going great until one day he does what? He killed somebody, and then he was on the run. See, Moses knew that vengeance hurt. And so he brings it right back to God. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I'll give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on the people the disaster that he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. Wait, what the heck? This makes no sense. This is the God of all creation. This is a God that doesn't need us in this story. Doesn't need our opinions. This is a God that could do whatever God wants, right? God can part the sea. God could make water come from a rock. God can make food appear on the ground. God could do anything God wants. Why in the world would God ever listen to Moses? And it's because Moses is right. It's because that part of the story matters. It's because God wants us to see that God is not some faraway God messing around with us like marionettes, that God is walking with us, wants to talk to us, even when we feel like our opinion doesn't 
doesn't matter. God wants that conversation. God wants that relationship. God is willing to change the course of history in one conversation in your life. And that's such good news. God should have knocked us all out, right? We're super smiteable. <laughs> TM, I'm going to trademark that, as a matter of fact. Can I, can I do that? But that's the way God works, full of grace and mercy. I got to share with you a quick story, and then, I, then, I, then I'm, we're going to finish up. Um, I had a little incident uh, in, while I was driving. Um, so for those of you that like, were like, ready to judge me, uh, this is your chance. To, to do so. Um, we were driving, I just pulled out onto this road, and when I did, I looked to my right, and there was a guy, he's coming up the hill, and the speed limit's like, you know, 30, right? So I got plenty of time, at least in my head, I feel like so. I pull out, everything's good, and all of a sudden, Infinity Man has to put on his accelerator and find his way up all in my back bumper. I got all fired up, man. Why in the world are you rolling up on me like that? I got, I got things to do. I got places to be. Your car is probably 10 times as expensive as mine, and you're going to end up running that thing into mine because guess what? I'm going to let off the accelerator just a little bit now. See, now you done messed up. My first mistake was that I rolled down my window. My second mistake was that I kind of pulled off to the side a little bit, and I was like, go ahead, buddy. If you're in that big of a hurry, you just go ahead and pass me. And as soon as he started to pull left a little bit, guess what I did? Whoop. Oh, sorry about that. I'm a grown man. I'm acting like a foolish child out there. I'm a grown man acting like this. What in the world am I doing? Third thing is, I slowed down when we came up to the stoplight together, two lanes at this time. I made eye contact with him. And I just stared at him. All my windows are up, and he is yelling fire and brimstone at me. He is so mad. He says, roll your window down. And I said, no. <laughs> now, what's wrong with me? I was holding him to some kind of crazy high standard that he should have been a better or nicer driver in some way. I don't know what he's got going on in his life. I mean, like, what if he was going to see somebody in the hospital? Like, what if he had a place to be that was really, really important, and I just pulled right out in front of him, acting like a fool? What if he thought, oh, okay, that's nice. He's going to pull over and let me pass, because I got some things going on in my world that he doesn't know about. And then all of a sudden, I pulled back left, and I wouldn't let him pass me at all. And then I stared him down at the stoplight. I didn't know his story. I didn't care. I was just enraged. But still, here I was. You wronged me. You did this to me. And I took my vengeance out. All I had was judgment. And I'm not an innocent party here. I'm not a very nice and sweet driver all the time. But I held him right there. I held him in my hand. I said, it's your fault that I'm frustrated and angry. I realized I was mad about other stuff. I was frustrated about stupid things. And here I was, taking it on this guy I didn't even know. And this is the part that really gets me. All I was thinking about in that moment was how right I was and how wrong he was. And yet I forgot 
that when I was a little kid, it was like 19, it had to be like 1983, I mean like a long time ago, and my grandmother Dot was driving me, and I think maybe my cousins or something, and we were going somewhere, and we were on Hillsborough Road in Nashville, heading back towards her house, and all of a sudden a guy coming the wrong way, coming the other way, had a blowout on his front tire, and this is a time when like power steering wasn't necessarily a thing, y'all remember that? And all of a sudden, his car swerves right in front of ours, and she's able to so very quickly swerve out of the way and keep us from having a head-on collision with this guy. Who knows what would have happened in that moment? But in this moment, I forgot about that. Or what about the time we were coming back from the ski trip? We had just taken all the youth over to, to Boone, and, and we were heading back across down the mountain. We're in our, our minivan. We had a minivan at the time. Yes, I drove a minivan. Leave me alone. Driving down in my minivan, and all, as a matter of fact, can I pause and talk about how awesome minivans are for a second? I'm driving down, and this guy pulls out in the Honda Avalanche, and he didn't even look my way, and just annihilated our van. The whole thing crumpled in around me and our kids, and yet, we were safe and okay. Almost like the Lord put his hands around us, and in this moment, I forgot about that time, too. Or what about the time when I was taking somebody to the airport in the middle of Michigan? It was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I ran straight through a stoplight going 60 miles per hour. I just didn't even notice. I didn't even think about it. And another car was coming this way, and all I have no idea to this day how this happened, but passed right behind me, never touched my car. There's no way that should have happened. But in this moment, I forgot about that grace. I bet you got these stories too, don't you? Those moments that we forgot about that grace. Why didn't I just let it go? It's because I'm a sinner, broken, given to the influences of all the things in my life. And y'all should be really glad that you didn't come out to the softball field these last season. Let me just tell you, those softball team players got to see a little different side of Pastor Matt. But God still has enough grace for me. God has enough grace for all of us. No matter how many times we screw up, no matter how many times we think we got it together and we tell God we don't need to have anything that you are doing in my life, I can handle it all on my own. I don't need, Lord, your time and your energy because I am strong enough to handle it on my own. But the reality is that God sees all of that. And even as super smiteable as I am, as we are, God still shows us love and mercy time and time again. God meets us in the middle of that confession that we have right in the beginning of service where we bring all of that stuff to God and we say, God, I got nothing but trash and brokenness that's been what I've done. And I don't know what to do about it except to tell you and God meets us there time and time again with God's love, grace, and mercy because that's the God that we know. That's the God that meets us in this place. That's the God that doesn't just meet us here but walks out into our places of work into our schools, into our families, into all our relationships and says, I've got enough grace for you. I've got enough grace for you. I've got enough grace for every single one of you and more. And I'm going to continue to pour it out until one day when we make all things new again. And no longer is there sin. No longer is there brokenness. No longer is there devastation. Brothers and sisters, we are an Easter people, which means we don't live in the grave anymore. We live out beyond the grave in the resurrected life and promise living in the hope of the resurrection. Somebody say amen. Come on. See, it all hinges on the first verse. 
when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, make us some gods. See, that's just real. Sometimes it feels like God takes way too long. So what's got you frustrated in the waiting? What's got you turning to other sources when you feel like you really want to hear the voice of God and maybe you just, it's not coming fast enough? Maybe then, in that moment, instead of turning in on yourself, maybe then in that moment, instead of pointing the finger, somebody around you or giving them the death stare the stoplight maybe we can find a little more grace for each other too maybe we can find a little bit more grace for our neighbor for our enemy maybe we can find a little bit more grace for God when it feels like it's not happening fast enough we're not the first ones and God promises to meet us in that with love and life and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's for you too. Tell them. Let's pray. God, thank you for having enough grace for us. Thank you for having enough life and mercy and breath for us when we're exhausted. Thank you for meeting us even when we felt, even when we feel like we're just not even worthy of the time. Lord, thank you for loving us even when we make other gods and we put them before you. See, that's what grace is. And you bring it with great abundance. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to then reflect that out, not just to sit on it and think, oh, man, that's great. But Lord, help us to be in situations beyond these doors where we can share your grace and mercy and love. You forgive us, Lord, so that we can go out and forgive others. Find a little more grace for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's children say. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.